Welcome to the American Made and Paid Show, the home of free speech and independent thought. The big story is freedom of speech is really in trouble. The far left knows that at any time they can call for a sponsor boycott of anyone they despise. It is right here, right now, where you'll get your weekly dose of unfiltered truth. It's non-negotiable. Pre-existing conditions will be protected. This president has said this as a candidate. Insight. Very few people I know could have handled it. We can never, ever let this happen to another president again. An information that challenges the American way of life. Welcome, everybody, to the American Maiden Page Show, episode 101. Love saying that. Now that we're past 100, I'm just going to start saying 102, 103, that type of thing. It just feels good to know that you've done 100 episodes. And you know what? I'm just going to say real quick before we start this, I don't care if the first 100 episodes were trial episodes. It's okay if they were rough and hammed and, you know, a little bit janky here and there. Yeah, with baby (laughs) in the background. It's going to get better. I'd rather that we keep this going because I know that a lot of you are are very uh, diligent listeners of the show. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to make the American Maiden Page Show, part of your listening diet. Um, <laughs> you're not always going to get a uh, structure and you probably won't always get something that's polished. But what I can say is that you're always going to get something that makes you think, right? And, you know, sometimes you hear two guys rambling. It's, it is what it is. But as it grows and it evolves and, you know, things get more sophisticated, we'll have Collins and that type of thing. And yeah, who knows, right? All we know is that right now we like to talk about some of these ideas, Christian, conservative, Republican, or otherwise, and all the things in between. You know, one thing that we'll dive into more so is is more of the relational aspects. I know people like hearing that, men, women, relationships, that type of thing, how to make money, you know, all that. But um, yeah, one thing that I wanted to, to touch on today was a little bit more about uh, AOC's policies, you know, an updated website now talking about a just society. You know, that's her big, <laughs> her big pitch here. And I think if she's going to try to win re-election, um, she's going to have to be a little bit more outspoken about these. You know, I know we're pr- a lot of conservatives and Republicans or whatnot are rolling their eyes at AOC, but she is a threat. She's a very big threat when it comes to the liberty and the Republic that we still stand for and just Christian values in general, because, you know, there is no part of what she pushes that is remotely prosperous for people or individuals as a whole. So AOC, if you guys go on her house website, you can look at some of her beliefs, which shouldn't surprise a lot of you, but she believes in a just society, you know, as it writes to protect our communities and uplift our neighbors, whatever that means. Um, And combating you know, the greatest threat in the country, which she claims is economic inequality. We can touch on that. And we've talked about economic inequality many times on the show. But yeah, um, Professor Dreg, from what you've seen with AOC and uh, some of these new bills of legislation that she wants to introduce, I mean, what are certain things that you want to touch on from the community standpoint, the economy standpoint? Well, uh this is a very very easy bill to understand with a lot of complex ideas if you have no idea of the bible Mm -hmm. it really is because let me just start off by saying aoc honestly believes she is her own god 
That's why she does what she does here. But it's it's real simple. Uh, these bills, especially you know, coming from a, a understanding of 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 Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but enough with that with the Christianity stuff. And let's just get down to the nitty gritty of the things she's talking about. So there are six major things that she's talking about with this uh, just society plan. Uh, And basically she wants to create a place to prosper. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Think about that. She's going to create a just society with a place to prosper. That's what she's trying to do. That's her whole idea. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what I was saying. She honestly thinks she's God. We already have that. Right. So but she's going to rename it a just society. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so she's broken it down to six major things. The first one would be the recognizing poverty act. Mm-hmm. And then the next one would be the embrace act. Literally. That's what it says on the thing. I don't know if you're, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Thing. The embrace act. Yeah. <laughs> and so the third thing would be the uplift workers act. And then uh, the place to prosper act. The Mercy in Reentry Act. <laughs> I like that. I like that one. The Mercy in Reentry Act. Think about it. now. You know, there's a mercy aspect to this bill. It's funny. And uh, anyway, the Guarantees the Economic and uh, Social and Cultural Rights for All Act, mm-hmm. which is really crazy. So anyway, uh, the bill itself is is uh, so. If you look at it, the bill, I'm trying to, there is no number to it. It's just HR to create an equitable and stable rental housing market and for other purposes. Uh, Introduce the following bill, which was referred to as committee on, but there's no name for it. Short title, the act may be cited as a just society, a place for prosper act in 2019. So right off the bat, right away, uh, and se- it's literally the sixth line. It's in bold obligations of landlords. Mm-hmm. So basically what she's doing, like, you know, when you, when you read something like, Oh, this is the recognizing poverty act, you would think it has something to do with, you know, recognizing people who are poor. But if you read the actual bill itself right away, she's attacking landlords and people who own property Mm -hmm. so you know when you go back to the bill uh what she's trying to do right away is and this is i'm gonna read directly from the bill so she is trying to destroy people who own private property right so, and right off the bat, line eight, obligations, a covered landlord. One, may not, when a residential lease expires, increase monthly rent by an amount greater than the percentage increase, if any, over the preceding 12 months in the consumer price index for all urban consumers. hmm <laughs> that, but people don't get it that's insane 
That is literally insane. Anyway, and I'll further on. Uh, or 3% of the average monthly amount paid for the same unit for each month that the unit was occupied during the previous 12 months, whichever is greater. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's insane. Because here's the thing. Property taxes may increase by more than the consumer price index. It happens all the time. Right. Why? Because every year there's always some kind of bond or measure to increase property taxes to cover expenses for schools. Mm -hmm. You know, like here locally uh, in the Bay Area, you know, about 13 different colleges ask for property increases so they can build buildings or right. improve their chemistry department, whatever. And uh, every year the voters vote for it and there's an increase. So when property taxes are increased, it makes sense to raise the rent. Why? Because you don't want to be losing money on rental property. You don't go into business of owning homes and renting them out to mm -hmm. lose money. Yeah. But, right, I mean, I'm not kidding you. We are still on page one of the bill. Half of that page is, you know, 116th Congress, first session, HR. It's all in bold. That's half the page. Mm -hmm. We're still on the first page, which is, you know, pretty standard. Sure. And it attacks the landlords immediately. <laughs> because it's almost like they can't set their own prices. You know, they're already government intervention with price fixing. Well, you know, the, the thing is, well, the whole thing is, is about uh, housing programs and, and, and landlords and rent control. Uh, oh, God. And, and one of the most dangerous things about this mm -hmm. Is that, but I like this one, funding for access to counsel. It doesn't say lawyers. Counsel can mean anybody. Right. Some kind of consultant that's going to, you know, some uneducated dude that just walked out of prison. <laughs> you know, but seriously, they, they call this jailhouse lawyering. Uh, because, you know, when you're in jail, a lot of these people read law books to try to understand why they're in jail and why is it legal. So when a lot of these people get out of prison, which is admirable, but it's still ineffective, they try to represent people mm -hmm. like if they really know, but all they really know is their own experiences. But anyway, so I like this one. Funding for access to council <clears throat> grant program. The Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, which is HUD, is authorized to make grants to state and local governments to establish a right to council for tenants in eviction proceedings. Mm -hmm. Application. The chief executive officer of a state or unit of local government seeking a grant under this section shall submit an application to the secretary of HUD at such time in such manner and containing such information as the secretary may reasonable require, including an assurance that the funds will be used in accordance with subsection C. Uses of funds. A state or, or unit of local government receiving a grant under this section shall use not less than 85% of such funds to provide counsel for tenants in eviction proceedings. Mm -hmm. 
authorization appropriations. Hold on. Uh, authorization appropriate. There is authorization to appropriate six point five billion dollars for each fiscal year through twenty twenty one through twenty thirty to carry out this section. <laughs> six and a half billion dollars per year. Yeah. And you guys think that my restitution plan for two fifty for every black person or you know, African American of at least 25%, you know, and maybe even less, anybody who's, who's African-American, 250, one-time deal, mm-hmm. reparations would end stupid programs like $6.5 billion a year to provide legal help for evictions. Are you kidding me? That's insane. So, so I think your question, well, I don't want to assume what your question was, so go ahead and ask your question so well, I can answer can you, and Can you break that down for the listeners, what all this means for people who... Yeah. Okay. So basically what this is, is like this. And on the streets, everybody knows, especially in California, you don't need to pay your rent in order to stay in a unit. Mm -hmm. You don't need a lease. All you have to do is stay in somebody's apartment, you know, because let's say like, uh, like with you and your situation, you're going to be moving soon. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you were back in Oakland, because <laughs> this happens in Oakland all the time, so you're going to crash with your friend, correct? Right. So as long as you stay there for more than 30 days, your name does not have to be on the lease. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're staying there, you know, helping your roommate uh, pay his rent, mm-hmm. you have every legal right. Your roommate can leave. And guess what? You don't have to. Why? Because you've been staying there for more than 30 days. Okay. And if you've been staying there for more than 30 days, you, you know, have a legal right in Oakland because this is only in the Bay Area. I'm not too sure about L.A., but I'm pretty sure L.A. has the same rules. Uh, but in the Bay Area, if you are uh, some kind of squatter, like you would be squatting in your boy's apartment for 30 days. And if you've done it for 30 consecutive days, mm-hmm and nobody says anything to you about leaving, you now have a legal right to, to stay there. And, you, and the landlord has to follow all the eviction proceedings as if your name is on the lease. Right. And that makes it very hard to evict somebody. Why? Because what if you can't afford to live there? Right. So what if you're only paying $300, but the rent's $3,500? So if you've only been paying $35 a month, guess what? The judge says, you know what? You should have done a better job checking to make sure that Mr. Zach here Mm -hmm. could afford that rent. Why would you let him stay there? Well, I didn't. And the landlord naturally will say, I didn't let him stay there. The guy on the lease did. Right, right. And I had no no, uh, recourse. But because you've been there, and usually squatters do this for more than 30 days, but the way the law is written Anything over 30 days, you have all eviction so, rights. So so this reminds me of a particular event where somebody got a lot of, this is a segue with renting and leasing, gotten a lot of trouble for this, or at least the liability. Remember back in Oakland, because you live in the Bay Area, when that ghost ship Jeez. fire happened? Yeah. Oh, warehouse. Yeah. No, it was really tragic because I knew people who died in that fire. Oh, crap. Actually, that sucks. Yeah. But here's the thing. They, this is, this is how housing is when it becomes really, really expensive and, and overly controlled in these areas is, um, 
the story behind that ghost ship fire that happened a couple years back in Oakland with these artists is, well, first of all, it's a warehouse, right? Which means it's not purposed for living in. A warehouse is solely only for storage, storage of like non-flammable, non-hazardous materials, right? But you had people that were squatting there. In fact, the way they would do it would be like they would lease you the space and then people would just build artificial walls in the warehouse and basically squat and live there. So people were living there like, you know, these hippies and artists and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting because the person in trouble is not the person who, who leased it to the whoever owns the building. It's to the subleasers because it's, it's the issue with, well, I'm leasing you this for storage space, but then you're subleasing it to all these like folks who are just squatting there and living there. And that kind of thing happens too. Well, yeah. Well, so, so with the ghost ship, which is very interesting, the two guys where the lease was under, one was found not guilty yeah. for any criminal wrongdoings. But the building owner is still facing criminal charges. Yeah. Which is insane. So, you know what it's I mean? Not even That's, his fault. It's like, well, yeah, but it's a, actually, it's a lady. It's uh, some Chinese lady owns it. Oh, man. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? She had nothing to do with it. But, you know, uh, it's a commercial property. So commercial property is way different than residential. But those people turned a commercial lease into a residential lease. But then it was a mixed use, I guess, is more proper. But you know what I'm saying? The ghost ship fire thing, that's why I was laughing because it's a joke how they're going about it. Mm -hmm. These people aren't even found guilty of criminal matters because it's obvious that these two dudes are doing this on purpose. They're breaking the law on purpose. People died. Your people you knew died. That's criminal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because it's the Bay Area and progressive people run everything and everybody has progressive belief they honestly think it's okay to kill and it's not a big deal but it is a big deal mm -hmm. it's the biggest deal ever because why instead of going the people who are responsible they take advantage of people who gave them a good deal because come on if i'm the landlord i'd be like hey man you guys do this do that but this lady was cool with them she's like hey, look i get it you guys are artists hippies you guys live this weird lifestyle Go ahead. Just pay me the rent. I'll be fine with it. And now they're trying to blame her for everything. Oh, no, she was a B-I-T-C-H and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? The ghost ship thing is a massive joke that this, uh, this is allowed to happen. Yeah. So this lady was cool with these people. Who else would give artists spaces to do their work in such a fashion? Dude, they had RVs parked in that place you know, using propane gas and all this other stuff inside the building. Dude, it was insane. Mm -hmm. It was an insane setup. But anyway, going back to this AOC uh, law. So here's, so I'm hoping that the people listening understand that a lot of people who are quote unquote renting out a property do so illegally in big cities like Oakland, like New York, you know, everywhere. Because why? 
a lot of people can't afford rants and they try to get over on people. So here's the thing. When a person, uh, going back to my example uh, of uh, you, mm-hmm. you know, sub like, you know, subleasing a $3,500 uh, apartment, which is very common in the Bay Area, $3,500 rents is very common. So if you could only afford $35 a month, because that's what you were paying your rich friend who was paying, you know, $28.65 uh, a month while you paid $35, uh, the judge is going to be like, look, Zach was staying there for about a year. He's going to stay an extra 12 months at $35 a month uh, until he finds, uh, uh, you know, something to do. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's basic case law that for the amount of months that you stayed there, paying a certain amount of thing, they will double it in order for you to get out and find a place comparable or make other arrangements. That's what happens. And that's without an attorney. (laughs) So now AOC is saying, guess what? We're going to create a 6.5 billion, uh, 85% of $6.5 billion. We're going to create a brand new industry for attorneys to represent broke ass people to sue landlords. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah. 85% 85% of 6.5 billion has to be around at least 5 billion mm-hmm. over 5 billion. So that's, that's what the recognizing poverty act or is that the place to prosper act under AOC? Well, well see, but th- that's the point. It's, it's uh, technically <laughs> she's claiming all of these six different things, but her actual bill, you know, uh, so going back, to like the whole Recognizing Poverty Act, the Embrace Act, the Uplift Workers Act, the Mercy, you know, she's calling it all of these different things, but they're just bullet points. So if you click on Uplift Our Workers, mm-hmm. it's just platitudes. It's uh, uh, a one, um, well, let me, let me correct myself. So that bill, the Recognizing Poverty Act, uh, yeah, you know, this is actually kind of confusing. Well, hold on. Keep chatting about it. I'll be right back, but keep chatting. Yeah, I, I believe the Recognizing of Poverty Act download. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so um, the Real Poverty Act. So the justice side, what I'm reading from is considered to be called the, um, yeah, this is a just society, a place to prosper act. And this was the section of obligations of landlords. So when I go to the other one, the recognizing of real poverty act, yeah, it goes back to the same thing. It, it goes a uh, development of a poverty line. Yeah, this is real confusing because of how she uses her um, the way she uses her wording. It's very very confusing. But I mean, this is pure trickery, which is so insane. But so now going back to, I'm going to read now from a Just Society recognizing Real Poverty Act. 
the assessment would come from this, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, <coughs> which again would be eliminated if they just paid restitution, <coughs> uh, shall make a contract with the Committee of National Statistics of the National Academy of Sciences, which is basically the museum people, to access adequately adequacy of the poverty line as defined in section 673 subsection 2 of the community services block grant act usc uh, 99022 as a measure of resources family need to afford basic goods and services mm -hmm. which is all crap i mean this is just because this is like a lot to read and i'm skimming through it but this is insane so like, for example, the substance sufficiency standards initially developed by Diane Pierce and wider opportunities for women. Who is this Diane Pierce? This is just a random lady who's an extreme socialist. <laughs> like, this is insane. Like, this is insane. Which one are you looking at? Place to Prosper or what? Well, this is, this comes from the, uh, the just society recognizing real poverty act oh okay okay so because each one of these well so here's the thing right we don't have to go into the nits nitty-gritty but just look at the overall what it's saying you know it's talking about how productivity has risen and people are working and all that but because of that the federal poverty line has not been adjusted which causes millions of americans to experience poverty into social safety programs the solution here is to eliminate social safety programs she's giving you the solution just by listing it you know and it's 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 like re-education and taxation all of those things that could be going towards really creating infrastructure for people to work within is going to be an, an important thing, you know? And the thing is, how do we define poverty too? Because poverty couldn't come from poor decision-making, not because there's a lack of jobs. And the idea is, it's like when you adjust the federal poverty line, what that means is you increase the taxes or you increase the minimum wages in those areas, which actually means more people are going to be out of work. See, that's yeah, the irony of it. You don't even have to read the ins and outs of it. It's like if you want the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Department of Health and Human Services to get involved, to take into account for geographic costs and all that. Child but remember, you got to remember this. And this comes from Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. I like to call him Thomas Sowell. But anyway, we will never get rid of poverty. Never. Well, Thomas Sowell didn't say that. I'm saying that. <laughs> but this is what Thomas Sowell said. He goes, in our society and in every society, there will be an upper 20% and there will be a bottom 20%. That's how it works. There will always be a bottom 10% or a top 10%. That's how math works. There will always be a top 1% and a bottom 1% percent we will never get rid of that and it will is, always be that and way the thing is the bottom one percent who knows right may be able to live right it's just that you're the bottom one percent now should we have people on the streets and all that of course not but think about if everybody were wealthier right you could still be at the bottom one percent and still be better than the rest of the world like quite well, no, well that's what happens now 
the poorest people in this country, even the people on the streets living in tents, yeah, are still living better than 80% of the rest of the population on the planet. That's a guarantee. How many, seriously, how many people that are homeless in India or homeless in Mexico can enjoy safely using heroin and crack <laughs> and get medical care and, and psychological treatment and massages and, and, and puppies for what, what are those dogs that are called? Uh, uh, they're called uh, therapy dogs. Yeah. How many, how many people addicted to drugs can get therapy dogs? Seriously, in San Francisco, you see all these therapy dogs running around with homeless people. Right. Enjoying the smells of marijuana. You know what I mean? That's insane. The poorest people in our society still live better than 80% of the rest of the population on the planet. That's how crazy it is for the poor people here. But here's the thing. Here's the real question. Whose responsibility is it to take care of the quote-unquote people living in poverty, the lowest 20% economically in this country? Is it the government's job or is it private industry's job? And when I say private industry, I mean the church. Mm-hmm. It's, I believe it is the responsibility of the churches, the people who are tax exempt to take care of our poor people. Why? Because nowhere does it say in the constitution that the government is the government's job to take care of the poor people. The only thing the constitution guarantees is the right to natural law. Right. We have the right to that, which is God's law. That's nature's law is God's law. We have the right to that. Mm -hmm. And that means the poor. So the poor should look to nature's law to handle their poverty. And that's why you have churches, orphanages ran by orphanages ran by Christian people or Muslims or whoever. But if you're smart, you'd go to a Christian orphanage and not a Muslim one. You know what I mean? But that said, that is the job, not of the government, but of the people. And the government is not the people. It's not. Mm-hmm. This government is not the people. Never has been. And everybody knows that the reason why it was founded this way is because the government has tendencies to become a king. And that's why we don't allow for that. But this bill, and, and we broke down the, uh, the other one, mm-hmm. the one that's representing um, the just place, a place to prosper act. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, a place to prosper literally is to give lawyers $5 billion a year to take broke-ass people who love to scam this system. You know, my boy, my boy, Chop, he's black. (laughs) (laughs) And he got ripped off by, you know, by a couple of people who, because, you know, he rented out to hide, because this is what a lot of, uh, a lot of blacks will do this. They're like, well, you know, I get it. You know what I mean? You're on HUD, so we're going to allow HUD uh, people to come in. What this people do, you know, when a person gets out of prison, they moved in the boyfriend, the dude was a drug addict, 
And uh, a lot of things were happening because of this drug addict that was there. My boy Chop was liable for this drug addict's uh, 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 actions, you know, and he created all kinds of craziness. And he didn't even know that guy was there. But then, you know, the judge ruled against him and he had to allow this HUD person to get in, you know, for free rents and all this other BS. But you know what I'm saying? He's a Christian, dude. Chop's Christian. Right. So, you know what I mean? Out of the goodness of his heart, he's renting out to people who normally wouldn't get a place. But the government allowed for all of these things to happen. And it cost him boatloads. Like, he lost about 50000 bucks. So, he was basically scammed. Well, not him personally. The insurance company ended up paying. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you get get burned like that so he's like hey man i'm not gonna rent out to hud people anymore because of what had happened because you know why am i liable for people they're bringing in they're the ones that brought that person in i couldn't get rid of them because they brought him in and that's the you know what i mean so he went through something like ghost ship but not so extreme it was just you know the boyfriend of the person that you know the the single mom that he leased out to yeah leased it out to her she still brought him in and she sued him. <laughs> you know what I mean? For something her boyfriend did. Right. And that's insane. And the thing is, he lost because that's how it works in, in the Bay Area. The landlord has no right. So, you know, the landlord has to be very careful. And it's like, you know what? For now on, it's I'm only renting out to people who could afford the $3,500. Uh-huh. Because, you know, he has houses. So, you know what I mean? So, but he lost a lot. So, you know, man, like the penalties are stiff, you know, because I forgot exactly how much came out of his pocket because, you know, there's punitive damages. Uh, Insurance companies don't pay on punitive damages, but the cumulative damages was like 50K. The insurance company paid that, but the punitive damages, God knows how much that was. He didn't tell me. He was like, yeah, Snoop, I lost everything. You know, he still got two houses. But, you know, in theory, if you have two houses in the Bay Area, you should have like million, like you should be worth like three million bucks minimum. But he said he's only worth about like right now he has like 500K and he goes and and he has a lot of debt. He goes, yeah, but my equity is still like at 500 and he, oh, he has a lot of debt. Yeah. You know, so man, oh man. But can you imagine that BS, you know, so uh, the health issues that she got from her drug addict boyfriend mm-hmm. he's liable for that crap yeah all liable and uh but either way aoc is now saying look it's the government's job to create these industries where we make believe that we are taking care of poor people so here's the thing think about this six and a half billion dollars is going to go to these attorneys and the people who hire, you know, the, the go between, between the attorney and the, like the social services or whoever mm-hmm. that connect the attorney with the poor person. Right. So how does that solve poverty? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yeah. It's going to make the attorneys rich, <laughs> but what happens to these people? Let's say they, they beat eviction. They're still broke. They're still not paying the rent. 
And eventually they're going to get kicked out because that's how evictions work. Uh, basically, if an eviction, uh, it prolongs your ability to stay there. So you're given an extra year, maybe two years, mm-hmm. you know, but eventually you're going to get kicked out. Eventually you're still going to stay poor. Right. So, you know, how does this solve anything? Six and a half well, billion dollars. The, the acceptance here needs to be at the end of the day, people understanding what causes poverty, right? And I think legislation and just throwing more social services at people, we've shown that that's not always the best thing. As a matter of fact, it creates a greater disparity because it actually incentivizes people to work less, right? It creates more division in the family and it creates more of a dependency on government, which I mean, let's just be real here. That's what, they, what want. they want. That's what they want. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's all I'm saying is I know we can go in circles, but really it's the same thing over and over again because here's the deal. Like we always start, when we started off the show and we talked about real conservatism, the first place we went to was that period between 1865 and 1911, 1913, right? Where in those 40 some years, this was before the IRS existed. This was before FDR's policies. This was before Woodrow Wilson instilled progressive policies. And people were working together. You had the church. You had the sheriff. You had the businesses. People ran their own saloons, their own bars, their own you know, manufacturing plants and all of that. And you didn't have social services but you had the churches it goes back to what you were talking about from the very beginning and what it did was it created a sense of camaraderie it created what they call you know the whole restoration well the the real word is reconstruction the reconstruction era right yes and literally that's what it was all about it was all about rebuilding and people took care of themselves and you have to understand like like you were saying, you know, the white soldiers from the Civil Wars, they fared worse because they, they didn't have jobs. and they, they, There was no veterans associations, no VA to take care of them. Well, they didn't have a job because they didn't know how to work the farms. They seriously did not know how, as it says in the Bible, they didn't know how to till the ground. They didn't. Right. Who knew how? The blacks. The blacks knew. And that's why it was so messed up for white people. And in theory, they still haven't recovered. I know. And, well, you know, it's that progressive policies and, you know, ridding this country of Christianity, really extinguishing it completely. I know a lot of, you know, Democrat politicians will say, will still say, God bless America, right? Liberty and justice for all. But, you know, they don't really believe it. Because if that were the case, you would give people the opportunity to hang on to their rights and hang on to their religious beliefs. You know, another thing I wanted to talk about here is AOC's guaranteeing the economic, social, and cultural rights for all. In other words, the Equality Act, which is an infringement on First Amendment rights because what that means is you have to acknowledge someone as a woman just because they say so, even though it's, it, they're a liar. You know, I'm not even going to say it's not true. You can just say that those people are lying and you have to believe someone's lies. You know, they have, you have to confirm your commitment to economic and social justice and cultural rights for the minority communities when in reality, they're not a discriminated body. They invented that. 
Well, okay, but here's here's a very people really have to start looking at this point in this type of manner. Yeah. How how are you going to guarantee somebody's quote unquote culture? Seriously, how does a government do that? The government should stay out of it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how. Look to China. Yeah. If you look at how they do it in China, that's the only way you can guarantee your culture. It is the way the communists do it in China. By Think extinguishing all others. Exactly. No, but people don't understand. Well, I mean, look at the Kurds. This is really complicated for most people, but when people think of Kurdish people, they think, oh, Muslims. But that's not true. A Kurd is, it's like, a, it was like an old time country. You know what I mean? It's kind of like 25,000 years ago, there was a country where the Kurds all came from. It's, it's, it's like the United States. You know, there was Muslims. Um, well, the, the reason why there's Muslims is because of the uh, Ottoman Empire. You know what I mean? Like all of those crazy ass Muslims from way back then, they just went after, uh, they went after uh, yeah. the, the Jews and, and, and see, because here's the thing. Why in Israel do they have so many Kurds? Because those Kurds happen to be mostly Jewish That's or right. Christian. Yeah. And, uh, and, and anyway, so, <laughs> but, but obviously the Christians were the ones who were slaughtered and the Kurdish, uh, uh ethnic group yeah <laughs> i mean there are some like in the bay area most of the kurds are christian in the bay but there's only like five thousand, maybe but there's not a lot but in israel there's like two hundred thousand kurds mm -hmm. and uh so you you know how does it get how does somebody guarantee cultural uh, uh rights or whatever by making everybody the same and, you know, like communists. In communism, it's atheists. Like, they, everybody has to be an atheist. There is no religion in communism because they're God. Everything comes from science, which is man-made, according to a communist. And that's why it's always been atheism. And, you know, if you're not an atheist, then you pose a threat to communism. This is how it works. There has never been a communist society where... It's a Christian communist uh, country, right. or it's a you know Jewish communist country. It's never been that way. The USSR was successful at destroying the Jews and the Christians. Why? Because they were communists in the U.S. in the old USSR. That's how it works. You want to know the interesting thing that I I have to get across is that Christianity implicitly encourages diversity without sacrificing sovereignty if yep. you think about it it encourages diversity without sacrificing sovereignty because you know how some white people are afraid that their race is going extinct which it's it's kind of true <laughs> white people ain't breeding not not at the rate immigrants are but what i'm yeah. trying to say is if you followed the bible you would be having babies and there would just be a lot of everybody and the, tr the truth of the matter is that that's true. It is, is God said to be fruitful and multiply, keep my commandments and, you know, spread the gospel to all living creatures, regardless if they're black, yellow, red, and white, but maintain your country's sovereignty because one world government is an antichrist new world order. Yeah. 
got Tower of Babel. So it's funny how Jesus never had to say, oh, we are pro-culture and pro-diversity. It's like, dude, we don't care if you're black or whatnot. It's just believe in Christ. So it's, it is diversity while preserving the body of Christ with everybody, right, for believers as well as uh, sovereignty. You keep your individuality because they're God-given rights. You make the decision. I'm not you know, think about this, and this is why I know this is a Christian country. I'll tell you why. Huh. Because initially, all the franchises used to be like Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is basically something <laughs> from McDonald's. Chick-fil-A, which is growing. And it's a Christian uh, chain, too. They no, but check this out. What? Now we got, quote, unquote, Taco Bell. You know what I mean? And Taco Bell is, that's Mexican food. We have successfully entered Mexicans into our culture. Watch, this is why we have fast food, uh, Mexican food, Taco Bell, run to the border. Panda <laughs> you know what I mean? Panda Express. Yeah, and, and Panda Express. And before Panda Express, it was Mr. Chow, <laughs> you know, Chinese fast food. But that's the whole point. The whole point of Christianity is to incorporate others, the good of others, and make it into our own. And create and still maintain their culture while still being yeah. American. That's why when people say there's nothing wrong with, with holding on to your culture, dude, I can hold on to my Chinese culture like crazy. I've got nothing to do with the nation of China, right? But my Chinese heritage for sure. But dude, I'm going to vote conservative i'm an american you know first and foremost yeah. and i i don't know why progressives can't wrap their heads around it they're just like oh well you we need everybody to be one thing collectivism and it's like no and you know that funny video of that guy wearing like a sombrero walking through a mexican neighborhood and he's white guess no. what their reactions were they were appreciative yeah. of him doing that it's only the liberals that get all mad when you wear a Pocahontas outfit. You know? No, what do they call That's cultural appropriation. Yeah, I know. What I'm telling you now, Taco Bell is just as American <laughs> as, as, as Darwiner Schnitzel. It's just how it works. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? And that, that's the beauty of, of uh, I mean, because hell, they don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo in Mexico. They here. don't. I know, it's here. <laughs> Funny that's an American thing. Why? Because this is what Americans do. It's like chimichangas, American. you know. That's not a Mexican by any means. That's very American. But anyways, you see what I'm trying to say, though, right? So the whole thing about the whole guaranteeing economic, social, and cultural rights for all, that's not necessary. If you're a, truly a Christian country, you don't need a government to mandate rights that you're already born with. They're just trying to create better rights for certain types of people and no rights for other types of people they don't like that that's all it is that, that well, see, but that's the point if it's the government's see because here's the thing and this is why you know i i really want to make this point heavy and hard because christians need to wake up they need to know that it is not the government's job to one take care of the poor it's not their job and it's not their job to create and determine culture that is the job of Christian people. That's like, seriously, we should be the, well, not we, but in theory, the Christians should be setting the examples of how culture is made. Mm -hmm. Seriously, because I'm not saying a Christian dude create a Taco Bell, but the acceptance of loving your neighbor 
and and inviting them into your into your neighborhood to have a Taco Bell or any taqueria or Chinese place that you know that yeah, you know because yeah. a lot there's a lot of Chinese restaurants, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and, and uh, that that is a Christian principle. It's literally one of the commandments. Loving your neighbor is to accept their, in Indians' cases, stinky food. <laughs> because that Indian food is stinky. But, hey, guess what? We try it. We eat it. And, you know, when there's a Indian fast food, <laughs> then you know <laughs> that it's really working. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about that. How many Christians honestly believe that? How Or even know that? That you know what I mean? Because how many times has anybody ever said Taco Bell is American food? It's already become so assimilated that it. Yeah. I mean, hell, there's no such thing as an enchurito in Mexico. Yeah. But, you know, it's just made up American stuff. That's the thing that we always say about Panda Express. And I always think it's funny, right? Is that, dude, General Chow's chicken was invented in America, not China. And fortune cookies. Yeah. Fortune cookies <laughs> are an American invention. <laughs> yeah. It's, and fortune cookies are made in San Francisco. Yeah. There's, it's a, it's a, it's in a Oakland. Real... The fortune cookie factory is uh, in downtown Oakland. I used to go there, actually. Yeah. No, but isn't that crazy? <laughs> but, but, but that, it's not that it's crazy. It's that it reaffirms my point. It reaffirms yeah, no, that culture, it, 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 culture and diversity can coexist with American values and, and America. but it was designed that way christianity is designed that way loving your neighbor because here's the thing in any stuff. other country had it been russia north korea germany right yep or china it's like any other culture would be considered uh you know bourgeois or whatever and you know co- like the whole cultural revolution in the 60s was basically purging anything that wasn't communists or, or chinese like you have all these people like getting rid of their western you know yeah, no but drill. just look around just look around you go to russia go to china do you honestly see all of those taco bells in china well slowly and surely now but not as no but think about it at what cost see you don't see the fast food places or what it represents like in america as you do in china why just like what's happening in the to the houston rockets the the owner of the houston rockets uh because you know yao ming played for the houston the houston rockets is this restaurateur is this guy uh what's his face i know the i feel like i've heard his name mentioned Uh, yeah i forget who but he actually complained he made a complaint about the uh fertita tillman fertita is the owner of the houston rockets he's like a billionaire yeah, so that guy made a, a, you know, because in China, the Houston Rockets are the biggest team in China. Why? Because of Yao, Yao Ming. Ming. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so the guy complained and he goes, hey, look, I'm supporting the people who want democracy, right? <laughs> so now China has done a full-on assault on the Houston Rockets. Now they lost all access to china television the china uh china basketball and everything else because you know the deal they have a four billion dollar deal with uh with china yeah and uh so that you know china nba is worth four billion and uh they didn't get kicked out because that's a lot of you know because of 
you know, I don't want to say obviously, but I mean, China basketball is right up there with the NBA, but Chinese like to see the NBA players more than the Chinese players. But on that note, uh, technical difficulties <laughs> uh, on that note. Uh, so, you know, the Chinese government's like, man, we can't lose N the NBA because it's a huge part of to generate revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, we can't allow this guy to go against what we're doing and squashing these, uh, these, these protesters. So you got Adam Silver from the NBA director trying to make amends. But the thing is, this dude from Houston is correct. It's anti-American, which is saying anti-Christian. So it's the Christian way to, you know, to allow these protesters to do what they're doing because they do have rights from God. It's not rights from the government. The, the rights of the people do not come from the government. That's what these protesters are saying. Whether they're Christian or not, they're still correct. And, you know, for the Houston Rockets to admit that, you know, that that's a great thing. So will you ever see Taco Bell and everything else? Well, yeah, if they submit to the belief that everything comes from the government. And that's why franchises can't successfully spread in China the way it has in the United States. Because in the United States... Who wants to work at Taco Bell? The lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it is in China, but I'm pretty sure, you know, it, it's more of a status symbol to be able to afford, you know, crazy ass foods like at Taco Bell and McDonald's. When the first McDonald's opened up in Beijing, I think in the 80s, people were traveling all over China just to go there and they would save the wrappers. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a novelty type thing, but you know, I think that that that's kind of just to kind of piece it back to, uh, to AOC's policies here. All of these things serve to make things more complicated when in reality we need to be reducing. It's like, if we want to just even take it back to climate change, AOC, stop flying, stop wasting, stop doing all of this and stop fabricating these myths and creating more expensive faux solutions for people because they're not solutions. They're just ways you can, you know, maintain your polls and stay in office. Like nobody really, you know, it's funny because a listener of ours emailed in was like, oh yeah, so uh, this is a chemistry guy and uh, carbon dioxide doesn't make the uh, atmosphere hotter. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just all climate lobbying, you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing that she runs on. That is the, biggest uh aspect yeah. but we do have to wrap this up so do you have any final thoughts about it you know, I, I, I like that that guy the chemist back to what we were saying because it's the truth it's dry ice <laughs> it really is it is so you know what i mean it's it's a stupid notion but anyway so going back to the thing but i really want people to understand that they are creating industries to keep people poor and the quote-unquote rich rich unnaturally it really is like this is this is one of the biggest assaults on Christian faith that you'll ever see because why this reinforces the whole uh what what's that god you told me what it was called yesterday uh 
but you know when it's works based oh uh but that's what it is it's reinforcing the whole idea of work based salvation faith. yeah it's a faith. yeah salvation seriously because it's not based on your works it's based on having faith you get to heaven having faith if you're poor that's just how it works it, i mean and if that's your lot in life and you're always going to be poor that should have no bearing on your faith but the way these guys create these industries you know to do this whole works based oh yeah i'm gonna pray and have faith and guess what who comes knocking some grant you know to to work around these laws that are immoral these laws are immoral law i mean i know we're <laughs> beating a dead horse but no it's true yeah. well no because this because uh, i can go on for like another hour because i feel like it it requires a lot of breakdown like how this is an immoral law and how it's an assault on christianity but uh and then plus with the baby you know, no, no. talking in well, the well, let's talk about it tomorrow you know let's wrap that up there and uh my final thought is that it's just you know none of this stuff is necessary and um you know we should touch on this a little bit further there's some other things that i do want to get into you know regarding yeah well but also to remember this also really adds to why we need reparations we have to end all social services we do look are black people owed for all the theft yeah just pay them back and that'd be that and end all of this madness. Think about it. Six and a half billion dollars just allocated for attorneys. Come on. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell the councils, hey, man, we should get into this. <laughs> because, look, I know without a doubt, we could easily make a million bucks a year doing yeah. this. The whole eviction stuff. So that's two million bucks out of the six and a half billion. But either way, yeah. Well, we got. I got to roll though. But this was good. Thank you guys for tuning in to the American Maiden Page Show. Leave us an iTunes review if you haven't done so already, and we'll see all you guys soon.